The Stage Door Show. Celebrating the independent artist. With your host, Dave Hondell. Hi everybody, welcome to The Stage Door Show tonight. I'm Dave Hondell. Tonight, I have the first of three guests on the show that are in the newly released romantic comedy entitled Townhouse Confidential, directed by one of our recent guests, Patrick Perez Vidari. One of the stars is with us now to tell us all about his work, not only in this movie, but also in the entertainment industry over the past several years. So welcome to the show, Lee Tyler. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Lee. Well, we can't uh, thank you enough for being on the show. Uh, You know, I know, Lee, you know, you started out as a... Uh, you know, you went to college basically for for uh, fine arts and University of Michigan, which is one of the best, you know, fine arts programs out there. But when did you really want to start being an actor? I mean, before you went to college, I mean, when did that love for acting really, you know, come about? Oh, man. I mean, I can point it back to late 1999 at the Kalamazoo Civic Youth Theater of Southwest Michigan, I was lucky to grow up in that small city. It's like halfway between Detroit and Chicago. And that made it an easy tour stop for a lot of musicians and theater groups. So I I grew up near downtown Kalamazoo. There was a lot of active professional theaters there and a lot of opportunities to get on stage. Yeah, I I auditioned for The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I was 12 (laughs) and got myself involved with a show where they, yeah, there was tons of like, combat involved i did a series of shows as a youth where it'd be like fantastical adventures like treasure island or the narnia shows or robin hood but there'd be fighting involved we all got trained in like sword fighting and stage combat so i cut the but i caught the bug pretty hard like between age 12 and 18 i just couldn't stop so by the time it came came around to like looking at colleges and deciding a major, it was like, well, I don't really enjoy doing anything else. So it's got to be this. <laughs> Were there certain movies or TV shows that you really liked? And you said, you know, you know really one day I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a wide range. I mean, I was always into the, you know, sci-fi fantasy stuff like Star Wars or, you know, the Matrix came out around then. And I always loved fantasy novels and kind of heightened things. But I also worked at a video store in high school and I would be drawn to some kind of more offbeat weird things like David Lynch's Mulholland Drive or Requiem for a Dream and things that were a little bit above my age range. But, you know, my draw as an actor was to these larger than life worlds, but also kind of the darker dramatic worlds that I wasn't really living myself, but I thought it would be fun to be a part of that. So it it really ran the gamut from from all sides of the acting universe, really. Well, then you're also a filmmaker and an editor as well. And, you know, you, you've been doing that for several years. And I guess, uh, you know, did one kind of lead to the other? I mean, were you interested in acting first? I kind of made made you into a filmmaker or were you a filmmaker first and then you decided to become an actor? What came first? It's a great question. Yeah. Chicken of the egg. I. <laughs> Had, well, I had, you know, in the 90s as a as a kid, I always had the VHS camcorder sitting around. So, you know, as I got into acting, I also would pick that VHS recorder up and make little movies with my friends. So in a way, it was always tied. But, you know, professionally, I definitely got into the acting first. I mean, once I once I went to school for acting, I wasn't really shooting anything. It was only years later in New York. Uh, I'd probably been here. I moved out 
started working in theater here in 07, came out in 09 full time. I'd say it wasn't until 2015 or so that I picked up like a, a proper DSLR and started to shoot stuff. Um, but but weirdly, I I started with documentary. I was auditioning as an actor and doing a lot of theater, doing some little TV roles here and there. But when I chose to start creating my own stories as a filmmaker, it wasn't acting at all. Living in New York, there's so many real life stories all over the place all the time that I thought it'd be fun to just interview strangers. So I would just go down to Coney Island and like find the interesting performers or artists and ask them a bunch of questions. I put this experimental doc together called Stir Up uh, over the course of like a year. It was sort of like an acting sabbatical, a little jaded with the industry. And I was just like, let's just do something totally different. And uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time creating almost like a Humans of New York portrait of, you know, different performers. I took it to a couple of festivals. Um, and then that's how I got into editing as like my day job. But yeah, in a weird way, it ended up rejuvenating my love for acting. It kind of just needed like a dose of creative energy that didn't rely on, you know, people in power choosing me as someone special, you know, yeah. it can get, get to be a little much if you're not making your own stuff. Yeah, true. And and the other thing about editing, you know, obviously you're, you're doing acting now, of course, and as an editor, did that help you become a better actor knowing, uh, I guess, you know, how things might be cut after afterwards? I always ask that question because I think if you're a producer, editor, anything behind the scenes, I think it can only make you a better actor. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I needed that dose of education in post-production for film because of my theater background. And I, I like a lot of theater artists have a similar problem where when you're used to running a play straight through it can be hard to learn how to act for camera because it's it really is such a different job and once i learned how to edit i started with the docs and then i started doing more narrative things as an editor and it made me more savvy on set as an actor because i understood not just what would be like extraneous behavior and movements but like how to tell the story on more of a two-dimensional frame right a lot of acting school and theater can get really cerebral you know we have to spend a lot of time it's like a lot more athletic really having to live in the world of the character for an extended period um physically and that's true for film but the the story is told on a totally different plane and i think when i was working as an editor i got much more in tune with just the visual image versus whatever was going in my head going on in my head as an actor so editing editing was a huge boon as a as an actor and um you know i i hope that that continues yeah you know and a lot of people that that go from theater to tv back to theater and to film and so forth you know it's it's um you know i don't think some of our new new listeners out there that are just getting into into the art or into the craft um you know, there's a difference in acting where you're in the theater, your uh, your space is so much bigger. And for TV or film, I mean, it's so much more, you know, uh, condensed where every little expression is caught on that camera, where in theater, you have to create that expression so much bigger for the people in the back. So talk about that difference and how you can switch it on and off like that. Yeah, yeah. In theater, you got to play to the play to the back of the balcony, as they say. Uh, um, and that's really where my roots are. So I, 
I remember being in acting school and one our our camera coach having us just tell a story to the camera like a true story and didn't really give us a clue into what the point was and then have it had us come back a week later and do a monologue and then a week after that edited the two together and was like here's you talking normally here's you acting and it was brutally clear about how over the top and theatrical my acting was. And <laughs> yeah. ever since then, it was like, wow, what? How do I get to that more natural place? Like, how do I pull it back? And um, I would always get in my own head about it. But I had a really good coach one day in New York. His name is Bob Krakauer. And he's he's a name often dropped out here because he blows so many actors' minds. Um, he just gave me a much clearer sense of what film is and how it is just it is telling a story with pictures versus words yeah. a little oversimplified to say it like that. But with theater, you really just get to like follow the language, dig into your impulses, just lean in all the way. And if you do that on camera, it might feel great as an actor, but on the screen, it might just look like your head bobbing back and forth for a while. And I, I think learning how to paint a picture with just, turning your head one way versus another and how that would, you know, affect how the audience views it. It just blew my mind. It made me watch TV differently, watch film differently. And it's, it's kind of a paradox because in, in, in theater, we're using our bodies a lot more, but in, in film, the small physical choices, uh, are more effective and it, it it's, it's i don't know it's just easy to say that theater is more physical than film but the physical choices on film from a strategic point of view are more effective than they are on, on stage yeah. <laughs> if that, no, makes that, any make, sense. that makes a lot of sense and you know and that would also equate to auditions as well it might it might differ how you audition for a part if it's a theatrical role versus a tv or film role uh, you you have to kind of get into that separate space before you even go in for the audition. Or if I am I overthinking that? No, you're not. You're not. And and actually, the lessons of acting for camera now apply to theater actors too, because even for theater, you got to submit self tapes yeah. sometimes. And uh, you know, the pandemic leading to more Zoom auditions, I think, has created even more of a need for actors to understand how to work the lens. You know, we used to, you know, maybe send in a self tape on the first round and then for the callback, you'd go in in person. But now it's not necessarily like that. You might do all the callbacks without ever meeting someone in person. So, you know, you don't necessarily get the chance to respond to someone's chemistry in the room, you know, like a, the casting director or the director, writer. You don't really get to feel them out as a person all the time. You really just sometimes have to rely a hundred percent on your ability to tell a story in a small box. Uh, you know, George Barrow is your character in uh, townhouse confidential and uh, talk about that, you know, romantic comedies, you know, I, I think, I don't think there's anybody out there that doesn't like a good romantic comedy. And uh, you know, so talk about that, your role in that, um, that new movie and uh, just really the dynamics of that, of that uh, whole project. Because I think, like I said, Patrick is a, uh, uh an amazing director and uh you know so talk about working with him and talk about your role in that in that film well you know it's it's funny patrick perez vidauri the director and uh, um you know Rosalind resnick our writer and executive producer they created the best opportunity i've had yet to blend 
both these worlds we're talking about. We basically got the green light to be as theatrical as possible. And I, I was freaked out because, you know, all this training I'm talking about, all this learning I had to do as an adult about like learning how to act for camera. You know, it kind of went out the window for Townhouse because the story was supposed to be really heightened, almost to the point of cartoonishness. That was how we knew it would work. And, yeah. and Patrick really saw this opportunity to, you know, give all these New York actors a chance to just like break all the rules, go 110 percent. And, um, you know, I got to be honest, I was pretty nervous until I saw the final film. I was like, there's no way this is going to work because we are just I'm like. I'm acting as though I'm playing to the balcony, but we're on a set. Like, I'm like, this is not how it's supposed to be. I was having a blast. Yeah. We were having fun, but I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is going to work, but <laughs> it kind of did. Cause when all the actors go like that, then you get it. Then the audience is sitting there watching and they're like, Oh, I see. This is, this is on purpose. Like this is right. camp. This is like right. rom-com times a thousand. And uh, so, yeah, it was really the best chance I'd had yet to really like, be a stage actor on camera you know and also living in new york as well i'm sure that that kind of helped uh you know kind of get that new york vibe because you know i lived in new york for a lot of years as well and you know if there's somebody who's never lived there you know i think visiting there is one thing but living there there's a whole different vibe uh you know so i think th did that help a little bit just kind of having the new york actors kind of you know be able to kind of give put that vibe across on the screen oh yeah definitely i've encountered more than a few uh entitled trust fun babies uh that having to play one was not <laughs> too hard yeah. uh we got yeah we got a lot of new york archetypes in there um you know the the cartoonish mob bosses you know we've got you know the kids working their butts off in the village you know trying to pay rent working at the bakery or the equinox gym and um, you know, we don't necessarily cover all the bases of all the types of people that live in New York, but when it comes to the West Village, where the film is set, we we got we got quite a few, and and we shot it all there too. So the the life of the city really surrounded us constantly. I mean, we had even like like the some of the electrics team intercepted an attempted robbery outside of set one day and like this guy wow. tried to steal a woman's phone and she ran down the street saying this guy stole my phone and suddenly like the best boy is out there you know ambushing this thief and the dp <laughs> the dp literally like threw a trash can at him and it was like this 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 poor thief was just thinking he was going to get off easy robbing someone's phone but he didn't expect like a team of large well-trained men were used to working as a unit you know intercepting him so it was, it was really like true yeah. new york from from dawn till dusk um the other thing i wanted to kind of cover is you know as an actor you you obviously work long hours i mean the you know being on set for sometimes you know 14 16 hours whatever it is you know when you're at the end of that shift and and you're you're having to go on set and and act the same as you did when you first got on, you know, onto the scene there. Um, how does, how do you get, how do you kind of um, psych yourself up, I guess, to get into that space uh, to be able to, you know, be as fresh as you were in hour one? Uh, how does that work? Gosh, this is a great question. I mean, staying hydrated is honestly probably number one. You can be snacking all day off of the craft services table and don't realize like five hours has gone by, by since you had a proper drink of water. Um, you know, with a feature, it's tough. It really is the challenge of, you know, shooting the end of scene three, um, you know, a week 
before you shoot, you know, the top of scene four. And, you know, I, I we shot one of the romantic climaxes of the movie uh, on my very first day. And I think it wasn't until the end of the shoot that I shot the scene that led up to that scene. And I think what, what I'll often do is just break down the script into really clear beats for myself. And I think the most important thing is just having a really clear handle on like where I'm coming from walking into the room and where I'm going, you know, exiting the room before that. Uh, Cause it's all going to be out of order, of course. And sometimes I'll have a, a word, like I'll write a word in the script, like an action word or something, or, um, or even like, you know, uh, a phrase or, or a song, something to clue me into like where I was so that the continuity makes sense, at least just for me emotionally. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's for continuity, but yeah, in terms of like keeping the energy strong, just, you know, not going crazy on the snacks, you know, maybe choosing to read a book instead of talking to the crew. I love getting to know the crew, being friends with them, but you know, you could spend three hours talking to like the wardrobe department and lose your voice. Right. Um, keeping it calm, keeping it hydrated. Uh, and then just having that script handy at all times is, is really what I need. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, you know, we have a lot of listeners that again are, are young actors and so forth and either regional theater or community theater, you know, so what kind of advice can you give from your history in the business? Um, you know, or maybe things that something you wish you would have done differently, I guess, coming up yourself. So what kind of advice can you give somebody that's just getting started in the acting business? I'd say keep your creative friends close. I really didn't have a sense of community or like a collaborative network until I would say 10 years after I graduated college. I was so excited to be here. So excited to impress like the people in, in power on all these productions and casting and agents to, you know, consider me special and really go it alone and hustle and try to impress them. But in this day and age, it's more likely than not that the project that's going to take you to the next level is something you wrote with your friends anyway. And uh, I'm lucky to have found that community now. And I had great friends in college, but I think I would have liked to shoot more of my own stuff earlier as an actor, um, you know, keep more in touch with my writer friends and like, you know, just keep kind of a good sense of like, all right, if I needed to make a short film, who's my guy, who's my, who's my person who's going to write this, who's, who's got the equipment, who's good at like managing a set, who can direct, keep those people close because making something yourself, you know, you can find locations for free. Chances are you've got the equipment for free already, you know, maybe go in on hiring a sound technician. But I think just considering myself to be empowered enough to make it my own way, to, to make our own material. I wish I would have done that a little earlier. Instead of thinking I had to, you know, just talk to like, you know, the top casting directors in the world. Yeah. Maybe make your own story at the same time. Yeah. That's good advice. You know, I think uh, one of the biggest um, drawbacks for people, they think that, um, that, you know, because they don't have money, they can't make something worthwhile. And I think uh, the big message is just go do it. If you have even the bare minimum, just, you know, tell your story, however you want to do it. If you don't have a camcorder, then, then, uh, you know, rent a stage. 
for a night and have a screen yeah. or, you know, have something kind of, um, you know, just uh, act it out, I guess. Um, the other thing is your legacy. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind when it's all said and done? What do you want people to think of you when they uh, when they think of your name? Oof, man, that, that's a question. That's one I honestly haven't even thought of much. That's the good <laughs> one, though. Gosh, legacy, man. Well, I'd certainly like to be thought of as a bit of a chameleon, bit of an acrobat. I'd like to be. Here's what I'd like to leave behind. A reputation for being a good team player like in the end yeah i would love to get famous like being an actor on you know the next huge tv show but what it comes down to is the impression you're making alongside those crew members those directors was he is he a fun person to work with is he going to take direction can he change his tactics in a scene you know from take to take i think uh i have developed a reputation for myself as someone who's a good listener who doesn't take his work too precious who's always willing to try something new and um if i were to you know hope for someone to look back on my body of work someday um, and find something positive in it you know i don't know they won't be there on set with me when i was shooting it but you know hopefully they'll get a sense that you know this was a guy who who was able to um you know, work as a member of a team because whether it's stage or screen, you really, it's all about that community, that collaborative effort. And, uh, you know, if it's tense on set, you can kind of see it in the final product. Um, yeah. But if you're having fun, it always makes for a, a, a better film. Yeah, for sure. That's a good legacy. Uh, you know, Lee Tyler, I, I can't thank you enough for being on the show tonight. Uh, you know, best of luck to to you and, and all the others for Townhouse Confidential. I know we have a couple other interviews with some of your co-stars coming up as well. So uh, thank you again. Uh, best of luck to you and your uh, anything you do. Uh, and you're always welcome on the show. Hey, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, we'll be streaming on January 31st. So give us a rent. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you.